Harvest up a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from Brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said I'll start off with some talking and some movie clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month or movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the box come on, contest and of course you know it's all about games. I said slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. With the other Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Today I'm recording from the car. Just kind of crunched schedule these days, and I haven't had a chance to sit down in front of the computer and do a proper recording. So you're going to have some background noise. Sorry about that. This is mainly a call in episode. I've got a ton of calls. Not all of them fit in this episode. In particular, I have a series of calls from Sam that I'm going to play next episode because I want to respond to them properly. So, Sam, I am going to play your calls. And, you know, the the standard caveat, if you don't hear your call this episode, it's probably coming up in a future episode. Before I get to the calls, I just want to mention I've been lucky enough to play in a number of games lately. I got to play in another ICRPG Blacklight game, which is a lot of fun. I don't really want to talk about the specifics of that game because the GM has put a lot of effort into it, a lot of research into it. This is the second in a series of adventures they're running, and I don't know if they're going to be published or they're going to run them again, so I don't want to spoil anything. But it was a lot of fun. It it was great to play ICRPG again, great to play Blacklight again. Blacklight is basically the Delta Green version of ICRPG. And we played a theater of the mind, and that's great. I I enjoy that. I, I enjoy both. So ICRPG lends itself to either playing almost like a board game style game, where you have challenges and maps, and you jump map to map with different challenges to theater of the mind. Right? You can do either or, and it works really well. Uh, this was more theater of the mind, and it worked really well. Um, if you're always been interested in Delta Green, which is kind of like a secret government agency fighting Cthulhu stuff, fighting supernatural stuff, but you didn't want to buy all the books for Delta Green or you don't like percentile systems or whatever reason Delta Green itself didn't appeal to you, I would recommend checking out Blacklight. And I'll put a link in the show notes. It's inexpensive. You, you do need a copy of ICRPG or at the very minimum, the quick start rules for ICRPG. But I think you know, your best bet is to, you know, grab the Master Edition of ICRPG. Now, Blacklight was written for Second Edition ICRPG, but it works fine, you know, with Master Edition. Um, but it, it's a lot of fun and incorporates a lot of the ideas that are in Delta Green, but it's just simplified and, you know, a lot lower page count than that because it expects you to fill in the gaps with a lot of the background stuff and the fluff kind of stuff. But big fan of Blacklight. Also been able to play in all the standard games I've been doing. Reaver, we had another session of Reaver, Joe Salvador's game. Check out that quick start if you have it. It's pay what you want on Drive to RPG. Really great game. Having a lot of fun with that. We are still in the Valley of the Mists dealing with the enemy. We got in a battle in this last session. We the are we we've joined up with the bear tribe and the skull tribe and hooked up with the evil coldists and and so we're going to go to the skull tribe's home and raid them we have the you know all the warriors of the bear tribe with us well we encountered the skull tribe on the way our scouts encountered them and they're actually on the way to wipe out the bear tribe <laughs> so we decided to ambush them and they were moving ahead of us so what we did is our characters the pc group took our horses and went ahead and decided to get in front of the Skull Tribe and try to delay them till the main body of the Bear Tribe could catch up and slam into them in the rear, right? Well, we, we did that, and we, we kind of caught up with them sooner than we thought, and, they, and, and we started taking a bunch of them out, but they started to overwhelm us just with numbers. And so Laszlo, our fighter, issued a challenge to the leader of the Skull Tribe 
And, and of course, they also have these cultists that are kind of like using the Skull Tribe as pawns. Well, the and the leaders, the, these cultists were going to, you know, take us out, but they wanted us to give up these artifacts that we smartly buried prior to chasing them. So we actually don't have these artifacts they want on us. But what what happened was Laszlo, who's the fighter in the party, challenged a leader to the Skull Tribe to one-on-one combat. And the coldest didn't like hearing that. The leader of the coldest is, is a lady. And she didn't like hearing that, but she, you know, yeah, the whole Skull Tribe there. So she couldn't just say, no, you're not allowed to do that. You, you know, and Laszlo defeated this leader of the Skull Tribe. So, you know, by rights, I think Laszlo is now in charge of the Skull Tribe by trial by combat. And, and so next session, it's going to be interesting to see if he can turn the Skull Tribe against these cultists now and, and turn the tide in our favor. Not to mention, as soon as the battle was over, we heard the drums and the Bear Tribe had caught up and was about to attack. So it, so next session is going to be really exciting. Really having a lot of fun with Reaver. Like I say, check out the Quick Start. Great, great game. Uh, and, and then we've been playing Wrath of the Righteous and you know, all, all the other games I'm in. Um, way too many games, <laughs> but a lot of fun. So I think that's enough quick catch up for me right now. Uh, I did finally watch Wednesday on Netflix. I enjoyed it. I the Wednesday character is a little bit of a Mary Sue, but I enjoy the sarcastic wit and the and whatnot. And it was you know painless enough. It's really it's young adult watching. It's you know for it falls in that same category that would age age range that would watch Hunger Games stuff like that. Um, but but it was fine. You know, and I, I don't see, I've, I've seen a couple complaints about the show, but I don't see any reason that they're very valid, to be honest. I, I think the show's fine if you accept it for what it, what it wants to be. Um, same with Ant-Man, no spoilers. I got to take my son. We saw Ant-Man, Quantumania, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania, And yeah, it's not a perfect Marvel movie by any means, but the villain is great. Um, great, great performance there. John Majors, I, th- I should be looking this up, but again, I'm recording the car. He does a great job, and he's also going to be in the the upcoming, um, crap, the spinoff of the Rocky movies. Why can't I think of the name? But with Michael B. Jordan, he's going to be in that movie coming up, and man, he's buff. He, he, he really worked out to, to put himself in shape for that, which he looks great there, and he looks great in here, and he does a great job. He definitely is a great villain in this movie. Uh, the movies, I don't know. It's middle middle to bottom range, maybe Marvel for me. But it, but he's a great villain, and I think it's probably worth seeing. If if you're a Marvel fan, you're gonna go see it in the theater anyway. So, you know. Anyway, um, let me get to these calls because I've got a bunch of them. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke put by your spouse, but the operator's screaming is coming from inside the house. Okay, let's start off with my favorite thing in the world, some first-time callers. Hey, Jason, this is Justin of Georgia. Uh, on your topic of solo RPGs, I wanted to give some more love to Mythic. Um, it rules, and it's indispensable. Uh, I think there's a lot of good advice on there. I know you were talking about uh, a guide uh, as to whether it would be more um, procedural or narrative-based. And I feel like the procedure would just come from, you know, whatever RPG you're playing, whatever, whatever game you're playing. Um, and But there's also plenty of procedure as far as narrative, which is funny. Um, in that game, um, in, in Mythic, as far as, uh, you know, say your, uh, your, your NPC lists, your, uh, your theme, having a, you know, a theme in the beginning, adding a little chaos and, and stuff like that. Uh, I think it's a great time, and uh, I feel like it's pretty universally uh, lauded, is that the right word? As, uh, as, you know, like uh, your go-to solo tool. You know, you need Mythic and you need the game you want to play. And that's it. And, and the second edition just came out. I think that's blowing up. It looks like on top of DTRPG for if it's not still. Um, I'm, I haven't read it yet, but I'm very interested in getting it and reading it. Um, thanks. I love the show. 
speak, and I forgot to chime in on the parts per million game, those uh, solo supplements for individual uh, RPGs are uh, are great, and I just wanted to second that recommendation. And also, I think it's cool that uh, he kind of models however the Oracle and the yes-no kind of mechanic um, goes after whatever game it is, like, you know, Maze Rat, 2 6 Maze, it's, you know, your D20, and, you know, like all, a lot of games. Some great suggestions there. Yeah, I've heard good things about both Mythic GM Emulator and a couple of the YouTube reviews I've seen, a second edition, say it's Dreamlines a little bit, but it's still really good. And I haven't got around to reading it yet, so I can't comment on Mythic, but thank you so much for that call. And you're right, it is pretty well universally lauded. And the, I, I know some people it's a little bit heavy. It, it's, you know, a little bit too much. But for those people, you can go to the, some of these simpler ones where maybe it's just more of a, you, you know, yes, no, yes, and, yes, but, no, and, no, but. You know, different people want different amounts of extra bits added in and different amounts of prompting. But Mythic is definitely uh, one of the big players on the market, without a doubt. And the parts per million games, there's a lot to be said about having a system that's specifically designed to go with a certain game, and it emulates the mechanics of that game. So, two really great suggestions, and I really appreciate it. Our next caller may be a first-time caller to this show, but they're no stranger to podcasting. I have a link to their podcast, their YouTube channel, in the show notes. You should definitely check that out also have a link to another podcast they recently appeared on, What Would the Smart Party Do? So also check that episode out. Now, let me get off and let you hear that. Hey, this is Craig Shipman from Third Floor Wars. Longtime listener, first-time caller. Uh, love your solo episode. Also love hearing uh, the voicemails following up those uh, uh, that episode. There's two I wanted to point out, and I kept meaning to do this, and finally uh, – Got my rear end in gear. Two, I think you would enjoy, um, as hopefully some of the audience would as well. The first one is called Rune by Spencer Campbell. You can get it off of Spencer Campbell's website. You can also get it, uh, I believe, through Itch, but I'm not real sure. It's a very interesting Souls-like solo game uh, with some really interesting mechanics to it. Uh, even has um, a battle map, you know, like, you know, uh, squares. And you, you could even do it with miniatures if you want. Uh, very, very clever. The other one comes from a couple of drakes, and it's called Dead Belt. And it's kind of that alien, um, you know, dirty sci-fi. Uh, your character is uh, a salvager, and the writing in it is very evocative, and uh, you really end up caring about your stupid little solo character, uh, so that's A Rune by Spencer Campbell, and then Dead Belt from A Couple of Drakes. You can get that off of the Couple of Drakes website. They have it on Itch as well. Uh, Spencer Campbell is on Itch. But anyway, please keep doing what you're doing. Love your show. And uh, I think the best thing about it is I get to hear Anthony on your show more than I hear him on his own show. Craig, thank you so much for the call. Really appreciate it. Folks, if you're not checking out Third Floor Wars, you should. Link in the show notes, as well as a link to those two games that Craig mentioned. I hadn't heard of either of those, actually. I guess I'm out of the loop, but I will check those out. They sound like a heck of a lot of fun. And while I do love all my callers, yeah, Anthony has so much knowledge and so much experience, and we hear so little. Now, of course, we're talking about Anthony, also known as the rune slinger over at Casting Shadows. And yeah, there's tons of blog entries you can go through, tons of YouTube backlog, a bunch of podcast backlog. But, and I know Anthony's got a real busy life. Um, but yeah, I, I'm always happy to get a call from Anthony because there's always so much good stuff packed in there. Again, thank you so much. Anybody else out there listening, you know, don't be afraid to call in or reach out, send an email, whatever. You know, love, love hearing from new folks. So, now, let's get on to a caller we've heard, well, a couple times in the past. 
Hey Jason, Daniel from Bandits keep calling in. I uh you're talking about this new game, which the terror game. That's really interesting how they have the different means of kind of the wounds. Because you know another game that does that that's pretty cool is Operation White Box, which is a WW2 game based on White Box, right? And your standard game, I believe the hit dice are D6, but you can do I think D8, D10, and D20, depending on how you want to play the game. If you want to do kind of this like over-the-top heroic kind of vibe. They also have some cool settings in the back where you fight like super science, Nazis and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. But yeah, so I thought that's kind of interesting way to way to scale the game. So it's not just like, oh, we'll just give them higher level PCs, but the actual game scales up. So I kind of like that. Pretty good idea. Hey, Daniel, thank you so much for that call. Of course, that's Daniel Norton of the Bandits Keep Media Empire, who we were just talking about solo games. And Daniel's doing a solo series on YouTube of OD&D using Chainmail and Outdoor Survival. It's a lot of fun. Go check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes. That's one of the copying his solo game and playing it myself is actually definitely on my bucket list. That's going to be one of the first solo things I do here coming up when my schedule clears up. But Terror Network is the game you're thinking of, Daniel, that I mentioned I will do a review at some point on the show. It'll be—I'll probably be on a spotlight Sunday. I just haven't got around to recording that yet. I'm still kind of digesting that book, and I've had some other new purchases that have jumped ahead of it. But yeah, I, I really like the idea of that scaling and, and the way to do it, and that's interesting. I had forgotten about that. You know, I've got that, and I just had forgotten that White Box does that. White Box would be really easy to adapt. In fact, I got to play in a White Box Vietnam game, that, or really fantasy Vietnam, that Cody Maza over at the, um, shoot, what's his podcast? No Save For You, or, yeah, I think it's No Save For You podcast. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But he, he ran, sadly, and he got to play in one session with him. But it was a basically a fantasy Vietnam game. And that was a heck of a lot of fun using white box rules. So there's d- definitely a lot you can do. And in fact, there's a blog. I'll see if I can find it. There, there was a blog where somebody had statted up a bunch of Vietnam stuff for white box and put it online. If I can find that again, I'll link that in the show notes as well. So, Yo, Jason, dude, thank you. <laughs> That was an awesome contest, man. Thank you for running that. Again, thanks to Hobbs for suggesting the idea. Like you guys talked about, it's cool having podcasts where they are, you know, gameable content in the podcast, like you guys were saying, which is why I was so stoked to see a new episode of Swordbreaker. That dude is amazing. I'm glad Logan's back. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much. I'm the RNG gods, man. They shone their light upon me right on. And I'm glad Hobbs is sending some to everybody. That's a class act class move on his part. And yeah, so about the glaive in the Pathfinder game, honestly, man, it's really sure. (laughs) It's really not that powerful considering it's a 200,000 gold piece item market value but it's really not that great it would do like a d4 plus three or if it crit 2d4 plus six (laughs) and you can make it do the dancing stuff because the way pathfinder works uh for building building magical items weapons or armor for weapons in particular you can have a bonus to your attack and damage the highest that bonus could be is a plus five in addition to that you can add on magical abilities to that weapon and each one of those abilities has an equivalent plus value like some flaming for instance is a plus one value but that plus one doesn't then also add to the attack and the damage like i said the most you can have is a plus five and then the total on the weapon you can have is a plus plus 10 but it still is only plus five to attack and damage so yeah dude if you come across that glaive it (laughs) it wouldn't be that big of a deal it wouldn't be game changing at all which is just nuts to think about anyway man that was an awesome contest i love your contests i hope you keep doing them and i hope people participate man that was fun build weapons do cool stuff anyway peace out
Thanks, Joe. Of course, Joe from Hindsightless. I really appreciate you entering the contest and the others entering the contest. Everybody that did enter that contest should have their PDFs from Jason Hobbs by now. If you haven't, reach out to Hobbs or reach out to me. But you should have those PDFs as, that he sent out to everybody that entered the contest very kindly of him. Uh, the contest, of course, statting out your favorite weapon from your fantasy film or sci-fi film and statting it out for a system of your choice. I think all the entries are really good. I'm looking forward to our March, March contest. Of course, I needed something alliterative, alliterative with March. Is that a word? But some, you know, an M word that goes to March. And I know Joe has wanted me to do an assassin contest for a while, but I think we can make this work. And you're going to have to listen later in the show because our good buddy Barney over at Loco Ludus, I think, has broken the code there. So I'll, I'll just tease that as we go on to our next message. Jason, MW here. I was just listening to your contest episode. It was a shame there were not as many contestants as in your past contests. And I do think this anchor commenting thing is part of the problem. Uh, let's face it, uh, back when you were listening on anchor and you could just hit that button and leave a 30 second comment or a minute comment, it was so convenient. Now you got to go into the notes, click something. And I was just driving the car, finishing up your episode on the contest. And I had to wait until I parked before I could change over and, you know, send you a message. So I just want to say great show. I'm sorry. I, I traditionally want to get into your contests and then often fail to do so. But I'll try, uh, if you do more, I'll try to be better about that. And uh, just a busy month for me. So hopefully I'll get another podcast out this week. Uh, but enjoy listening to your show. Keep it up to good work. Bye. Hey, MW. Thank you so much, MW. Of course, does the World's MW Lewis podcast. Lately, he's at Carl Rodriguez, the Geomologist Presents. On there is a guest talking about football and whatnot. Uh, they've also talked some RPG stuff, so definitely go check all that out. I think you're right. I think the Anchor Apocalypse removing the ability to call on the Anchor app has really hurt call-ins, and it's a shame. I, I'm sorry you didn't enter the contest, but feel free to send a late entry if you want to. Um, folks, if you do want to reach out to me and call in, all the ways to do it are in the show notes. I have a SpeakPipe account. If you're in the U.S., I have a Google Voice number. You can send an email you can attach a voicemail to that or voice message to that email. I'll play it on the air, make you famous. You can also send me a message on a variety of discords. All that's in the show notes. So please do not hesitate to reach out any way that you can. Yo, what up, Jason? Awesome episode on the Lovecraft variant. So yeah, let me, um, let me talk a little bit about the difference between accessibility and usability, which are Two-term usability often gets overlooked when it comes to accessibility. And as you, Jason, a sighted person, are starting to realize there is a difference between the two. Because as you pointed out, that book is perfectly accessible for you and me. I can read the text with my screen reader. You can read the text with your eyes. But as far as using the material... The way it's laid out makes it very difficult to use it. Um, so like you pointed out, with my screen reader, normally when I'm using the screen reader, it will continually switch the pages of the PDF that it's reading as it gets to the end of a page. It'll go automatically to the next uh, page. But like you mentioned, it'll get in this PDF, it gets caught up on images. And sometimes there won't even be an image on the actual page, but something in the PDF, the way the book is, the way the PDF is laid out, there will be basically invisible images. So my phone will just say image, 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 and not switch over. So that makes it tough. I can read one page at a time. Also, while my phone can read the words perfectly well, and it's very clear, um, because, as you pointed out, there are no breaks or anything between these paragraphs. It'll just read the whole page at a time. And I can't go back through paragraph by paragraph to reread a paragraph. If I want to reread a sentence, I have to listen to the whole page again. So trying to use this 
at a table or something or even as reference would be really, really challenging, though being able to read it just for historical value has been fascinating. I had no idea this was pre Call of Cthulhu RPG until you mentioned it in your episode and that changes everything about it. I was like, damn, once you said that. So yeah, man, there is a huge difference. You can, publishers can make things, companies, whatever, can make products that are accessible but the real question comes down to if they're usable and accessibility and usability aren't just important things for people with disabilities. It's important for everybody. Products should be usable. Um, and as you're seeing, Jason, not everything is, even if you don't have a disability, some shit is accessible, but not usable, man. So awesome episode. Thanks for sharing it with me. Uh, I'm glad I was able to kind of, you know, talk a little bit on this subject. Cause like I've said a million times before, I am no expert on this topic. I'm just a dude who uses a screen reader, uh, but good on you for, you know, keeping that, keeping that in the public eye. You know, the accessibility aspect, but also let's keep in mind the usability aspect, folks. If you're making a game, usability is important for everybody, not just for us weirdos with disabilities. Anyway, dude, have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Hey, Joe, thank you for that. So, of course, we're talking about my Spotlight Sunday or System Sunday, where I talk about the Lovecraft variant, which is pre-Call Cthulhu but Lovecraft mythos for tunnels and trolls. And that's actually where some of the sanding mechanics came from for Call of Cthulhu. And I talk about that in that episode. But sad, and it was originally published in The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which was a magazine back in the day that you can't get digital copies of today. And of course, the magazine articles are really hard to find, or, you know, the copies of the magazine. And so they've republished the two articles in this the Lovecraft variant and to me the historical value that's great but the formatting of it and the way it's put together I talk about in the episode is not good it's hard to read it's you know there aren't paragraph breaks or anything else it's it's just kind of crappy I've got one copy of Sorcerer's Apprentice for the second half of that book because it reprints two articles and the Sorcerer's Apprentice the article in the magazine is so much easier to read than the reprint of it in the Lovecraft variant. So it's, it's a real shame. I still think for people really interested in the history, it's probably worth getting. But as you heard Joe say, it, you know, even for screen readers and all, it doesn't work very well. And even for, and as I said, even for sighted readers, it, it's hard, a little bit hard to parse. So, you know, A in concept, it's great to republish those articles. I'm so glad they did. But you know, like a D in execution, sadly, which doesn't bode well because that's the first of the, you know, product lines. So Monsters, Monsters, uh, Ken St. Andre's spinoff. Now the Tunnels and Trolls been, has been bought off um, and Flying Buffalo was bought out. He let Tunnels and Trolls go with that and he kept Monsters, Monsters for himself. And he's letting other people publish things for Monsters, Monsters. The Lovecraft variant's the first thing published, you know, from outside source for him, you know, under that license. And yeah, it's not great, which is kind of a shame. So Joe, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I lean on Joe a lot. You know, I'll reach out to him say, and, and ask him, you know, is this accessible? Is this not? Because when I talk about a product, you know, I don't always do it. But if I see something that looks kind of off, I definitely want to check with him and point that out to listeners because... Joe's not the only sight-impaired listener I have, and I, I want to be able to give folks that kind of information. And I know other publishers and creators want to know that because every creator I've talked to does want do yeah, English is hard. They do want their products to be accessible, and they do want people to be able to access them. So, you know, be able to point out to people how to do that is an important thing to me, at least. Okay, that's enough of me rambling. Let's get to the next call. We do have one more call on the Lovecraft variant, and that is from Daniel Norton. So I'm going to turn it over to him. 
Hey, Jason. Daniel Bennett's keep calling in, listening to your system Sunday. You know, as I'm not done yet, but as you were going through some of the, like, uh, I think they were called secrets, like some of them were, like, really good and, and nice, right? You have this advantage here, this advantage here. Other ones were negative. And I think that's kind of interesting. There's a game, which I've talked about before, called Gaslight that I picked up. And in the base game, it's kind of like that. Like, you, you roll on this D20 chart, and you might get something really good, like you're a better fighter, but you might get that you're a coward. And I think that's kind of interesting to make it kind of up to the dice. Uh, in the later version of that, though, they give you two uh, columns if you're playing like the more role-playing game style one, where you get one good and one bad. But I kind of like the idea of like you might roll and get something good, or you might roll and get something bad. But I can see how a mix is probably, uh, you know, probably better for most people. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that, so for folks that aren't familiar, I'll put a link to Gaslight. Gaslight's actually a miniature war game. It's a skirmish game but it's got some role-play elements to it. Um, and yeah, what's interesting is when you get in the skirmish game, of course, you want to balance that stuff out. There's no problem with having negative traits to certain figures in a miniatures game, but generally you want the sides to equal out point-wise or however you're doing it. And so if it's random, you, you know, that can kind of throw that out. Now, not everybody worries about balance when they're playing war games, but a lot of people do, right? That, that's kind of a big thing. So it's interesting that they have the randomness built into that, where with a role-playing game, I think it's a little more understandable and more accepted. So that that's kind of cool. Uh, Buck Sardu, Sardo, Sardu, I think, is uh, the guy behind um, Gaslight. Like, he's actually not too far. They're in Maryland. Um, the, anyway, that, we, I've talked about Gaslight. Maybe I call, on this show we're calling into his show, but the, he and his gaming group have been to war game conventions. You know, I was at you know, 15 years ago now. Um, man, I'm getting old. But <laughs> okay, let's finish out the episode here. I've got some calls from Barney over from the Local Ludus podcast, and then of course we have our closer. So I'm gonna let Barney have the mic. Hi, Jason. It's Barney. It's not Tipsy Friday, it's Tipsy Sunday. So, you know, things have moved on a couple of days. I'm really out of practice with this whole message thing after the anchor apocalypse and all of that as well. I mean, you know, in addition to whatever else there might be, um, I just wanted to say that I really, really enjoyed the um, the Lovecraft variation that you put out today, and I loved your chuckle after that the the, the bit where you might that your secret might be that you're a cannibal. There's a great little chuckle after that. I really, really enjoyed it, and of course, it, it it raised so many interesting things about Call of Cthulhu and the whole system. And you know, you know that I'm balls deep in Call of Cthulhu. You know, I'm I'm all about that. You know, if if we're gonna if we're gonna go Barney Cannon, it's uh, it's it's eldritch horror all the way right i mean most of you know kind of um so you know and at the same time you know that kind of uh that kind of sustained um critique that you have of call of cthulhu is is it's really good I think it's really valuable. So I, I'm completely with you. It's there are there are broken parts of it, right? You know, um, as there are in any game. And if if I need to be in a game, in a canonical game, in a game that people, me also, you know. Um, are drawn to like you know moths to a flame 
um, it it would it would be Call of Cthulhu. Uh, you know, it's great stuff. I mean, I'm, it's partly Tipsy Sunday because I've just come off the back of a of a League of Eternal Guardians game GM'd by Safer and um, played alongside Jenny, who is um, a new recruit to uh, Andy's um, uh, Grizzly Peaks Radio. Good old Spencer, you know, wonderful. Um, And we also had Taryn who is fantastic. Um, I just had such a great time with them. Safe played, ran such a great game. Um, We got about halfway. We're going to play again. It's League of Eternal Guardians using Cluedo and uh, was just, just so much fun. So Tipsy Sunday, Inspired Sunday, um, having listened to your episode as well, really, really enjoyed hearing your walkthrough of that, of that, um, that, that, that new publication, the, 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 the Lovecraft variation, really, really enjoyed it to the extent that I don't feel that I need to buy the book, um, but really, you know, really, really was great. I was slicing potatoes and onions and making um, dauphinois. Um, so that was more than more than a great way to pass the time. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Oh, and I loved the whole weapon competition thing. That was really cool as well. And it made me think of um, the Games Workshop thing, the Realms of Darkness or the Chaos thing. Um, I've got a White Dwarf issue which contains the bit of that book where you you roll for what your chaos weapon with you roll for what your chaos weapon will do and i you know uh, just just responded you know i just think that's great i i really like the way you know people are drawing on the films and um the different films and thinking of ways to implement that is brilliant, brilliant. But, you know, predating all of this, I thought to myself, I have got a message for Jason, rusty as I may be, out of the loop as I may be, I have got a message. And it's this, it's film related. Um, It's Bridget Fonda related because... Uh, well, you know, I mean, you know, anyway, the last film that she really made, as far as I'm aware, was Kiss of the Dragon with Jet Li. And I watched that for the first time recently, and that's that's the trigger for these, you know, for this, this message, for calling you up on Tipsy Sunday. Um... Kiss of the Dragon. It is a bad film. Now, we've got a lot of love in our house for Luke Besson, producer, scriptwriter, whatever. Um, I recently picked up... Um, 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 oh, God, what's the... It's um, uh, the film with with, with uh, Penelope Cruz... And Salma Hayek, uh, Desperadinos, Desperinos? I don't know. Really like that, you know, it's great. So, got, got a lot of, we've got, we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of appreciation of Luke Besson in this house, more than he might deserve. We watched The Big Blue recently, um, you know, 
we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Kiss the Dragon, it's, uh, uh, you know, and it comes from an idea from Jet Li. It's, it's, it is a bad film. It's a bad film. It is bad. It's, but, you know, but this is the thing. It's got some really redeeming qualities. And the one that I want to absolutely pin here, calling to you, is, is, is the, um, is the acupuncture needles. Jet Li has got this, these, these uh, wristbands of acupuncture needles, which he, you know, innocuously brings from Asia to Europe. He's got them, they got kind of, I think they've got different colours and stuff on around his wrists. They're just acupuncture needles. And it's not really, they don't make as much in the film as they can. As they should, but it's a really—it's the—it's the one thing really. I mean, there's the corrupt French cop, which is kind of—I don't know. You know, it's got. It could be linked to Gary Oldman in Leon and all of that kind of thing. It's got—it's got Bridget Fonda in it. It's got Jet Li in it, you know, there's some, you know, it's not, it's not a disaster, but it's pretty bad, it's pretty bad, but the acupuncture needles, they're really good, and I'm going to tell you why, so the acupuncture needles, I was just immediately thinking of how great that is for role-playing games, acupuncture needles martial arts role-playing games call in to the nerds variety nerds rpg variety call in to my great friend jason i, I just I love I love the fact that the um, the needles have a kind of um, they have a kind of uh, timer they have a kind of countdown you know there's only so many needles now you know we could scrutinise that more you're a martial artist or you're trained in acupuncture. You, you come from wherever you come, you land in Paris, you can find more needles. Okay, fine. But, you know, the shorthand in the film and the shorthand in games would be that you've, you've got, you know, you've got a finite number of needles and you can, you can do these cool different moves. Like, I'll take that needle out and I'll do this particular thing. And of course, it all builds up to taking the big boss out at the end. Um, but that, but that's so cool. That's so that's so cool. And of course, uh, the final acupuncture move is the kiss of the dragon. I think where it reverses your heart or your like your pulse or you know the. the the flow of your blood or whatever and as soon as you take the needle out then you're going to start like spouting blood and die and stuff it's great love it 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 so that's the thing i just thought that's so cool you've got a kind of finite number of these things to use and you've got a number of different moves that will do different things. Um, and there's a kind of escalation in the story of that, you know, that's clearly, so the idea that Jet Li must have had, Kiss of the Dragon, must be connected to the acupuncture needles, and that kind of got swallowed by all of the other stuff. Um, not all bad, not all bad. But, you know, it's it's kind of threadbare. 
but I don't know that the idea that different acupuncture moves would be more or less difficult in the situation, you know, that that's interesting. So, you know, to take out just an ordinary, you know, uh, lackey, you know, keep it easy. But when you want to take out the, the big villain, you know, it's going to, in a dramatic way, you know, it's going to be that much harder. <laughs> it makes me think of Shogun Assassin and, you know, uh, the baby cart. Um, lone wolf stuff as well but anyway that's beside the point there's something about that you know the the reduced the reducing economy of the needles the precision that you'd have to you know roll against um, and then the effect of that i just think that's that was really nice so that experience that extracting that great thing from that pile of crap um, and, you know, flicking it on to you, Jason, at the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. So... Hey, Barney, thank you for those kind words. I really appreciate that. I'm sorry I missed that game. The, you know, I've only got to play the league a couple times, and my Sunday schedule isn't great, so I, it often interferes with that, which is a shame because that's a great group you have over there and a lot of fun. And like I say, I'm sorry I missed that. Um, being in one of Safer's games is on my bucket list. But... I should say that you have broken the code. So March, what we'll do is a martial arts march. And folks, the contest will basically be, I'll announce this, I guess, officially next episode. But what the contest will be is pick your favorite martial arts movie and explain how you would adapt elements from that movie into a game. So the way Barney described how he would adapt the acupuncture needles into a game do that for your favorite martial arts movie. Now, I'm not making Barney claim that as his favorite martial arts movie, but I will use that as Barney's entry if he doesn't call another one in. So, I want to thank all my callers. Really appreciate it. Great, great calls today. We have a bunch of other great calls stacked up that I'm going to play next episode. I just don't want to have a two-hour-long call-in episode, so... I'll have more calls next episode, but lots of great calls here. Really appreciate them. And I want to thank Ray Otis for the Coffee Cup Clip Art, TJ Drennan for the wonderful music. I want to tell everybody to be excellent to one another. And I want to turn it over to our closer. By the way, spoilers for Wrath of the Righteous in this last message. So if you don't want to hear those, then you may want to stop now. Hey, Jason Squared, I really enjoyed y'all's banter with the uh, contest results. And I think if the audience were picking, Joe Richter would have won. I think that was amazing. And I was like listening to him like, man, I hope I hope Joe tells how much it costs and what level it is since, you know, Pathfinder. I think Pathfinder 1 has some of the best magic item creation rules that there are. And uh, right, it becomes a plus 10 jason hobbs because like each little like the dancing and the distance they all add like a some sort of plus factor to the cost so even though it's like a plus three um like dancing adds a certain amount distance adds a certain amount keen adds a certain amount um i don't remember off the top of my head i'm sure dancing is like a plus three keen and distance might be a plus one um but uh it's pretty cool I'm really neat that Joe came up with that. And maybe now um, I will implement that in some Pathfinder game 
at some point. Although it's interesting in Pathfinder 1, right, things were more or less static. There might have been some obscure rules to be able to transfer magic uh, from one item to another, but in Pathfinder 2, everything is very modular and mobile, um, where you can, which kind of helps out players, right? So a player who focuses on a Warhammer um, can find an, a magic item that's not a Warhammer and transfer that magic to a Warhammer. So um, it's a different kind of philosophy in getting characters' items. But I guess if you're playing like an adventure, I mean, if you're doing a homebrew, you customize things for your players, clearly. And in an adventure path, you could always change things around. I know even it was built in to like Wrath of the Righteous, where there's a, a sword that kind of grows with the party or the player who has it. And it's, it kind of morphs and changes to like the specialized weapon of, uh, of who the party or the, of the goddess, god or goddess that the party worships. Um, or the player worships, so their special weapon or whatever. So I guess if it was Shellen, it'd be a halberd. Iomade would be a, like a longsword or something like that. Anyway, or, yeah. Anyway, cool stuff, and I'll talk to you soon. And remember, folks, if you sent a call in to Jason and you haven't heard it on this episode, have no fear, it will appear. by your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took the pretty head, and the only question left is if I fit a shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. There is a dustbin in your moil's body zipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the woods Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are arising and the world's gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck